0: It's time for Vax Talk. Let's talk VPDs. We're shaping the conversation about vaccines. To learn more, visit vaxtalk.org.
1: Hello, and welcome to Vax Talk. This is the podcast for apparently people who listen to Dr. Bob Sears' podcast, too.
0: Yes, welcome. Thanks for coming.
1: Welcome to this side. Our cookies are better because they're made with sugar and gluten and GMOs.
0: Yeah, Please set your your app or computer to accept all cookies.
1: (laughs) All right. If I am a little bit echoey today, I just want to let our dear listeners know that I am recording live from the Rondo Community Library in St. Paul. Shh. You can hear trains (laughs) behind me. I'm in a big echoey room that I sad-eyed the librarians into letting me in. It's all good. Um, But in any case, I'm here. My name is Karen Ernst. I'm the executive director of Voices for Vaccines.
0: And I'm Dr. Nathan Boonstra. I'm a general pediatrician here at Blank Children's Hospital in Des Moines, Iowa.
1: And we have a very cool cross-podcast for you. We Mm -hmm. talked to our friends, former anti-vaxxers Lydia Green and Heather Simpson last night. And uh, we talked to them for a half an hour for this podcast. That's Mm -hmm. the first part of the interview you'll hear. You have to listen to their podcast, Back Back to the Vax, to hear the second part of the interview. And I don't even remember... Which interview has all of the Dungeons & Dragons
0: stuff? <laughs> yeah, there's one interview that is 25% discussion of Dungeons & Dragons. I, and and I the don't... other interview we, we delve into Cobra Kai. If you couldn't guess, it was basically me diverting the conversation to pop culture.
1: As per usual. And that, that is yeah. what, uh, that is why people hop from Bob Sears to um, our <laughs> podcast is to hear those pop culture diversions. <laughs> but I'm going to divert you, yes. Nathan, and ask yeah. you what is your Around the Web?
0: Well, I've been doing, uh, I'm going to be giving a talk on uh, HPV vaccination coming up, and it's kind of an update. And I kind of wanted to check out what new research was out there um, because I haven't really done as many talks in the last couple of years as I used to do. So um, one article that I came across is in the Washington Post, and it talks about how the pandemic has led, unsurprisingly, to fewer adolescents vaccinated against HPV. Um, And there's a couple of studies, one of which was done by a team that are friends of Iowa Immunizes, our immunization coalition, and they're at the University of Iowa. Um, that we're, we're looking at um, physician barriers, especially in rural areas, to getting uh, teens immunized against HPV. And another study that kind of estimated the the drop in coverage in 2020. That basically found that the uh, like in those the last half of the year in 2020, HPV vaccinations were down 50 percent or uh, or around there for a lot of that year. And so if we don't get that back up, um, then we're looking at, it basically calculates like how many thousands of cases of uh, genital warts and cases of uh, carcinoma in situ and, and and cervical cancer and other cancers are we going to be seeing. Um, a couple of other things that I are worth mentioning, and sorry, this is kind of a catch all around the web here but there's been increasing evidence that at least there was a a who panel that reviewed the evidence for one dose strategy for hpv vaccination and they concluded that it's solid protection and comparable to two dose schedules and i want to be very clear right here that i don't uh, i i Recommend the two-dose schedule; it's the best-studied one. But it, I think this is very important to um, know, just because it's worth knowing that if if we can get one dose of HPV vaccine on board, that that's huge. That is a big deal. It's it's we we want the full series, but one dose. If providers can get that uh, for their patients, that is a win against cancers. So. That's some great news. The other thing that I came across is, you know, for years, uh, for a oh, decade and a half, pretty much, the the anti-vaccine movement will say, well, you have all these endpoints that are HPV infections and and uh, precancerous lesions, but you don't have any evidence that it actually prevents against cervical cancer or cancer itself because we didn't have that as an endpoint. And there was maybe a little bit of research that kind of followed along some of those trials that could show some cancer endpoints but it was so small because the vaccine is so new that it was really difficult to 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 say okay this is statistically significant but there's now a, a great study out of gotta find it before i misspeak here um i think it's swedish data yeah where they <clears throat> follow uh, where they looked at the, the population database of 1,672,000 girls and women who are 10 to 30 years of age in this time period and followed them and found a a huge decrease in actual cervical cancer endpoints for the vaccinated compared to the unvaccinated. So we do have very good data that, that this is preventing cervical cancer. And uh, so all in all, you know, at the end of this, I didn't get asked this, you'll hear at the end of this, uh, uh, at, at the end of our interview on one of these interviews, we talk about our favorite vaccines or we ask we ask our, our um, guests what their favorite vaccines are. And mine still continues to be the HPV vaccine. I just think it's so important and, the, and by the numbers, it prevents so many deaths and, and so much uh, and prevents cancer, prevents all kinds of other quality of life things that it can decrease quality of life and we just keep finding new good things about this vaccine yeah
1: i uh i have to agree with you that a lot of times i wax poetic about the hpv vaccine that was quite a journey you took us on we started off with sort of you know bad news scary Uh stuff and then wound up with the hey look at it actually does work and maybe it even works better than we thought
0: and i don't think it all has to be doom and gloom as far as the rates all of those you know vaccination rates were down in 2020 across the board Mm -hmm. in part because of you know parents being worried about coming in uh providers not being sure of what the strategy is should we be should we be delaying some people for physicals etc i don't think we have good data as to how that rebound is happening in 2021 and specifically with hpv vaccine i haven't seen that Uh, or 2022 that may take a little bit of time i think that rebound will happen but anytime you have a drop like that that rebound is unlikely to be make up the entirety of the gap and so there's going to be some more gap we're going to have to work harder at
1: that's very yeah i mean anytime there's a gap that means that there's you know hpv that will circulate Mm -hmm. and will result in in cancer yeah um You know, I'm very curious about that sort of rural divide to why we have trouble getting our rural children vaccinated against HPV. Do you have any insight into that coming from, you know, Iowa?
0: Yeah, and I know that this team has done other research on that and about vaccination attitudes and beliefs in general. I don't have it at my fingertips to be able to say much with authority. Um, obviously, it's tied into all kinds of other beliefs that, that go on in, in rural areas. Um, and so there's also kind of a discussion of what messages are most uh, effective. Uh, what, do, what do people in rural areas most need to learn about or understand in order to understand why these vaccines like HPV vaccine are the most effective? So that is i know uh, our uh, the the team at the university of iowa who has members that are part of iowa immunizes which is great they're friends of ours um continues to do really good work into looking into those issues
1: well good that's uh the more we learn the better off we'll be right mm-hmm. speaking of being better off i am killing the pivot today um, <laughs> speaking of being better off uh-huh. t- um the fda just okayed use of a booster dose of covid vaccine for 5 to 11 year olds and mm-hmm. this will hopefully pro- you know provide increased protection for them um hopefully it will help tamp down some amount of transmission yeah. it will keep them safer from um ending up with terrible complications or in the hospital Uh, and you know it hopefully has an add-on protection to their families and communities Um, you know the hard thing about COVID is that we kind of have to live through it to find out what's going to happen we don't have that crystal ball to say aha this this booster is really going to turn the tides for us or the under five vaccine. That's really going to help us all get back to normal. We don't know Mm -hmm. that. Um,
0: And and I I don't know if there is that, you know, one thing that's going to be that turning point, but I do know that there are a lot of families who really need (laughs) uh, availability for kids under five and that want to be able to get their kids a booster when they're five to 11. So I'm pleased to see that that's coming along. I just wish that this under five would not be taking as long as it is.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, By the same token, I wish we could get more 5 to 11s vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And while we're talking about that, I wish we could get more of everybody who has a vaccine, a free vaccine readily available to them, vaccinated.
0: Yeah, yeah, I and. (laughs) Yeah, I could go on about things we could have done differently and things we could still do but uh, probably should save some time for our guests
1: we probably should so with that um, when we come back we will talk to Lydia Green and Heather Simpson who are now pro-vaccine but we're not always and they run the group and the podcast Back to the Vax so we will talk to them on the other side And now we are joined by former vaccine hesitant parents, people I call the prodigal vaxxers because they've come back to the vax. Heather Simpson and Lydia Green. We're so thrilled to have you guys join us. I will tell you that when I was thinking about who to interview this month, I, I was I've really coveted out. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to give people something that was really human. And you two, of course, were the first humans who popped into my brain. You are human. Yeah. I love that about us. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the best things about you. You (laughs) cleared that bar. That you are human beings. (laughs) There we go. That's what you need to be to be on our podcast. No, no, no AI. (laughs) Um,
2: Hold on,
0: actually, if you would take a second and click on all the streetlights on your screen right Yeah. That would be great. Thank you.
2: On all the humans.
0: Yes.
3: Oh, that took me <laughs> a second. Oh my gosh. I am. Oh, oh, oh. I like, <laughs>
0: She's she,
1: she, <laughs> the, the other one I got is fire hydrants.
2: Where are all the
1: fire hydrants? Oh my gosh. Those so much. Okay, <laughs> here's here's our actual real first question. It's not are you a robot? Um, so in the before times, when you were vaccine concerned people, and um, you were in the warm embrace of the anti vaccine movement, what did you think pro vaxxers were like? Like oh, maybe like kind of I don't know,
3: sneaky. Definitely lizard people. Well, I wouldn't go so far that they turn into lizards at night, but just like like, I don't know, everyday
2: pro-vax people that just vaccinate their children. I just thought they were misguided.
3: Oh well, that yeah. And then the major ones are different.
2: The 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 major ones. I just thought that they were pushing an agenda.
3: Uh, Oh, see, you're nice.
2: Pharma puppets.
3: That's too nice.
2: Um, Yeah, stuff like that.
3: But when it to came,
2: kids sick. I really thought that I really was skeptical in a way where I thought vaccines were designed to create chronic illness to feed the big pharma machine, and it was this big elaborate thing. And then you kind of like start classifying all people that work in that industry as in on it or naive to who they work for, and. Um, it's that whole um, special knowledge
1: thing. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, when Nathan works for blank children's hospital, that tells you how much he doesn't know about wh- who he right. works for. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. You that's just good. fill in a name every time. Different name, a different Rockefeller or yeah. Fauci or yeah, George Soros. Yeah, <laughs> our big name. Yeah. Can we get a little timeline on when these when are we talking about for you too, in terms of when did the kind of change in your beliefs happen? Both mm-hmm. in terms of like literally what year ish, but also what was kind of going on in when your was life.
3: last year. I think January 2021.
0: I it's think like mine actually
3: country. was 2020 when I yeah. started vaccinating the year before.
0: I feel like I've known you guys for much longer than that. So I'm kind of surprised that it's
2: I think I just kind of
0: during COVID I, that this change happened. Two but.
2: Year. Two year anniversary in April of like, okay, right when I wrote that article. When did I write that? That's when it started. Um, I have to look it up. Uh, when did I write that?
3: I mean, she's already through all the vaccines. Yeah, so I'm still working on it.
2: Shot of Prevention republished it uh, Jan- or September 1st, and it was originally on the vaccine mom, May 3rd, 2020 was when I wrote my first article
1: mm-hmm.
2: on when I changed my mind. It
1: like, just shows you how long this pandemic has been.
0: Right?
2: 34 <laughs> years. Like we were, those it's were back in the days, 40. we were watching Tiger King. Mm-hmm. We were happy. Thinking <laughs> I was thinking it was kind of like a vacation. We were all going to go back to normal soon. Yeah. So just take the take right. it, you know, enjoy it. Yeah. Right. We're like, look, the Hamilton guys are doing a Zoom call together. Let's watch it on YouTube.
0: (laughs) I was playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Yeah. yeah. Virtually visiting other people's islands. Oh, sad. (laughs) It's been a couple years. Okay. So. Was there a moment when your ideas, not only about vaccines, changed, but also about the people who promote them, and both, again, in terms of uh, the kind of what you called the the higher up people, but also just the regular people who immunize?
3: Okay, so how when those doc- perceptions changed when Dr. Offit, let me call him, the day that Charlotte got her first vaccine. I like. I mean listen i was i just like melted i was like i hated him before like i thought i hate is a strong word i just really really didn't like him um you were you were you felt like he was on the bad side i thought he wanted to kill us off basically i thought he was you know this is this is very extreme i was extreme though so i'm not really holding back i really thought these people were just evil like they and they take things he says
2: out of context too
3: like that well, that's one. true. He's like the sweetest guy ever. And just like, he related to me so well. He was like, you know, I get it. Like I get the anxiety. And I was like, Paul off it. gets the anxiety. What? That was a big moment for me. Cause I was, it, it just humanized everything. And then meeting Karen and Dorit was like a big enemy, like a big enemy. Um, and when I did the measles costume, I remember somebody, I mean, there is a lot of drama over Dory involved in that cluster. She had nothing to do with it, but somehow somebody threw her in the comments, and there were it was it just it was explosive. So I just didn't like her, and now she's just the sweetest person ever. Just getting to know people like on a human level and realizing that they have kids that they love and adore and want to save and protect, and wow, we're not different at all. So yeah,
2: and when you paint them a certain way, like I would believe. That these people didn't actually vaccinate their children; they just wanted me to vaccinate my children <laughs> like behind the curtain. Like, there's no way that they're giving their children vaccinations. And now that I actually know them on a personal, like, I've I've talked to quite a few um, pro-vax, you know, spe- uh, specialists and experts and stuff. And I, when they say they vaccinate their children, I have no doubt that they vaccinate their children. And, and that they know, you know, especially the pediatricians that have seen things like him, the older ones that you know were around before that vaccine was around. There's no question in my mind that they absolutely vaccinate their children, and um, I try not to pay too much attention to anecdotes anymore because that was a huge driver. Because it's really easy to get emotionally manipulated by something that's unverifiable. And then you're using unverified information to make important decisions. And that's not smart. So because if things are happening on a mass level, then it's verifiable.
1: I, I like the way that you put that if things are happening on a mass level, it's verifiable there. Those n equal one studies are hard mm. to verify for sure. Um, so when you look at yourself now so you're both pro-vaccine you're pro-vaxxers sorry to break it to you that's where you're at <laughs> But <Thank> you. um <laughs> have you done anything you never imagined yourself doing you know besides vaccinating your kids but you know have you um crossed over in ways like eating cookies and worn t-shirts or whatever that you never thought you would do yeah
3: i wear i use aluminum deodorant it works and i brush charlotte's teeth with fluoride kids toothpaste yeah
2: i now too i didn't use fluoride yeah fluoride was poisonous um
3: controls your thoughts or whatever
2: being in the alt-med movement um led to eating disorders for me i i suffered from like orthorexia and after my third child, it really peaked to the point where I could tell you what was wrong, what was toxic, what was undigestible, what was an anti-nutrient, what was antibiotic, what was whatever about any food. So like after a while, every single food had something wrong with it. And I had so much anxiety over food. I, I had no appetite and I had to force myself to eat and having a 5 month old baby that was nursing it was a disaster it was such a nightmare that also i think helped me snap out of it getting treatment for that and then realizing like these people just want your money they want you to buy their special food their supplements their herbs their services their webinars their ebooks their Whatever it's it's all about the financial they're, gain. They're not these underdogs that they paint themselves out to be. They are they are financially motivated.
1: And a lot of them sell um, deodorant alternatives without aluminum and toothpaste yeah. alternatives without fluoride. I know what talking
2: about and yeah, stuff. I use this. There's I a lot them. of crossover <laughs> with a lot of these groups. And I what I've noticed over the years is that everything is turned into a movement. In attachment parenting, um, there's a huge movement in intactivism, which is prevention of circumcision. There's a huge movement, they call it lactivism, so that these mothers that go around telling people we wouldn't have this formula issue of women just breastfed without addressing the issue of many things, not that in the fact that it's a choice, but also like there are a lot of socio economic variables that affect breastfeeding rates um yeah i just everything turns into this tribe you know and it it gets more micromanaged everything has like this set of rules you have to follow and i think at the end of the day it's all about a sense of control over the unknown feeling like you have some secret in secret knowledge that you can just prevent all this negative things from happening to your family and your children.
0: It sounds like you're both describing similar kind of clusters or groups that you're, that are promoting these similar ideas. Did you by chance know each other prior to no. this time? Can you talk a little bit about just, did you kind of grow up with this? Was this something that you got involved with at one point? How did this evolve over your life there?
3: Um, no, I was vaccinated growing up. I, I, I've been thinking about this for a while, how I really got into it. Cause it, I, I tell everyone that it was from the docu-series that I saw that nine hour docu-series, but I think I had been primed for it for a while. I was in, um, I grew up in a church that was very, very, very holistic minded, very crunchy, very um, herbal supplements. Like we, we just, yeah. So I, when I look around at like my entire community, when I was, you know, 22, 23, they were all anti-vaxxers. So, um, it wasn't a weird concept to me. And I kind of got wind of the stories a lot on social media. And then I saw the docu series. So I was just kind of, it's almost like if you grow up in a certain religion, you're, it's very easy to just be a part of that. So, um, that's, that's kind of what happened. I just, I'm in the Bible belt in Texas and I found that a lot of times conservative Bible belt areas are more anti-vax, not all the time, but definitely in Texas. And so, yeah, I come by it naturally. (laughs) So, um,
1: you know, one thing I want to talk to you, which is kind of hard and I don't want to put you into an awkward position. So, you know, you don't have to be totally forthcoming, but (laughs) I've been there and I've watched that your transition and being pro vaccine hasn't always necessarily been rainbows and unicorns right there. It hasn't always been like gumdrops falling from the sky. Um, that there have been like, there have been some hard things that you've uh, both had some personal, um, difficulties in this time because you've changed your mind about vaccines and and uh, some of it has come from people who are pro-vaccine. Um And, you know, I w- we had a private conversation about this that I won't reveal anything about, but you're my friends and uh, I, I will I will defend you and I will do it publicly. Uh, just putting that out there for everybody, like, don't comment Lydia and Heather. <laughs> you're <they're> my friends. <laughs> um but uh you know a lot of us see the value in being publicly welcoming to you because when we're publicly welcoming to you other parents who are hesitant might be like if i change my mind there's someone there to catch me yeah. um but i still don't think that this side is welcoming enough. So I'm wondering if you can give us some advice, like me and Nathan, how can we help that? How can we make this a better space to come into?
2: When people join our group, I point out that their anxiety is very real and that I understand how anxious they are over those first vaccinations the information we share is evidence-based. If anyone's asking me, like, what do I do for a catch-up schedule? I'm like, I don't recommend any schedule except what the CDC says, or, or if you're in Canada, health Canada has a catch-up schedule as well. Um, but I also start with, I understand you're anxious. So if you can only do one for your first time, then you do one, and you see how it goes. And that is, just going through that process and seeing your child be okay after isn't usually enough to propel you to keep moving forward. And as a healthcare provider it's tricky because you don't you, you still want to say yeah I recommend this and that's how I do I do say yes the schedule from the CDC but if it's too hard one is better than none. And maybe you'll, you know, like I started off slow and then I was able to, because the poke was the worst part and I just wanted to get it over with. So I, I just started getting more and more each appointment to kind of get it over with as fast as I could, because really the anxiety built up before each appointment is the same. If you're getting one shot or four shots, it doesn't matter. It's still, it's still a sucky day for them. Right. So that's kind of how I, went through with it after a while but had somebody say like you need to start with four i would have been like okay bye like (laughs) you know so it was it it was good to have that kind of rapport. i I told the health nurse where i was coming from and that i just wanted to see her and and she's like you start with whatever you're comfortable with and i'll keep track of whatever's left and then i'll remind you what's left each appointment and we kind of just moved through the vaccines like that and i just think having that patience especially the first couple appointments is super important.
1: Heather's run away.
0: (laughs) I think that's also true about families that are, um, you know, hesitant to immunize their kids is to be able to work with where you can start from. There, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a little bit of different level of urgency maybe because when it's, when you're talking about your own decisions for yourself, That's Mm -hmm. kind of one thing when you're a pediatrician and you're, you really want to make sure that a child is protected as soon as possible. That's a little bit different, but at the same time, there does have to be that realization that, you know, you're only going to be able to, you know, advance or work with a family so much. And so if you can Mm -hmm. make, you know, if you can get a child immunized against the more, the the greater threat, then that's, Mm -hmm. that's a place to start.
2: Yeah. I, I, I also, if people are only going to do one, their appointment, I try to tell my people, well, if you're going to do one, just get the most bang for your buck, pick one of the shots. Like they have a six in one shot and I'm like, do that for your first, then you've got six diseases kind of started with. Right. So, but yeah, I do. I, I don't recommend anything like any kind of alternative schedule. I don't recommend any, any schedule. I, I tell them to talk to their healthcare provider. And if they're curious on how the catch-up schedule goes, look on the CDC or health Canada website. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's too many people claiming expertise. I I, I really try to tell people like I am not an expert. I'm just here for emotional support as you work your way through that anxiety. I don't claim I actually have three experts that have, you know, agreed to do Q and A's on on occasion. Dr. Daniel Wilson, uh, Dr. Abraham Alamad, and Dr. Evan Finkelstein. They're all really great. One's a pediatrician. The other's a blood brain barrier expert and uh, the other is a molecular PhD, molecular biologist. So, you know, they they know their stuff. And and when people ask about, especially about the myths going around regarding vaccination, um, they're very good at answering them and kind of putting those fears to rest.
0: I have a, I have a question. Okay. I'm going to do like a little, uh, almost like game show. I'm going to ask you about each other here. So, Ooh. yep. So this is not too difficult. So Heather, what is, uh, something that Lydia has done that makes you proud of her in this journey? <laughs> oh gosh. Oh,
3: oh, man, sweating
1: pressure. Um, it's like the newlywed game.
3: Well, I just, yeah, I remember when we first started doing webinars and things, she was like really nervous beforehand and now she doesn't seem nervous at all. Like I'm the one that's nervous at our last one. I was like, I think I'm going to throw up and she was fine. Like, so she just, yeah, she's super confident now. doesn't get nervous. I mean, I'm sure she gets a little bit nervous, but not like freaking out. It, the tables have turned. So.
0: All right. Well then Lydia, same question. <laughs>
2: Um, just on a personal level, I'm really proud of Heather for just recent things she's done in her personal life. Um, she can elaborate on those things if she wants, I'm not going to, but, uh, just really proud of her for being brave. She's shown an incredible amount of bravery recently. And, and, um, I, and she shows grace under pressure. Like I, I, I know people that have endured for less recently and kind of fallen apart so I'm I'm really proud of her for that
3: yeah she's kind of badass actually yeah don't, don't see me I no I will watch Grey's Anatomy and cry my eyes out this is not
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I watched Up with my boy yesterday oh, that, my self-care is not watching that maybe. <laughs>
1: Or maybe you need to like have those tears over Grey's Anatomy, or yeah. The thing that's it, been killing me lately is the last few episodes of This Is Us. Oh my gosh, what are they? Doing I've not to?
2: watched that yet. I stopped watching we, it. It
3: was too hard emotionally. Yeah, yeah, we
0: kind of fell off after we after the fire episode, and we that oh. came to a conclusion, and then we're like, yeah, no, I think we got these families okay but... now.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's changed a lot since those yeah. days. Yeah, no, everyone's dying, basically. It's I'm catching
0: happening. up on Cobra Kai right now. So.
1: Oh, yeah, my gosh, the, the that's beginning. the best. I'm in season two.
0: <laughs> like, I'm,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's the best show. That's yeah, the best it, thing on Netflix. Hits it's, you yeah,
0: it's, yeah, right in the 80s. It's
1: called Cobra?
0: Cobra, Cobra. Kai. It's, uh, it's, it's basically a Netflix series that is 30 years after The credit Kid.
3: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really the- good. The Karate Kid with gets... Ralph
1: Macchio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's got the same actors. It's got Ralph Macchio mm-hmm. and um, what's his, his face? Yeah. And then the other face? guy. Yeah. The... And the other guy, too. And then another guy. Like, there's like right. five actors. <laughs> <Yeah>. from... <Okay. laughs>
2: yeah. Actually, there's like yeah.
0: none of the girls so far.
2: <laughs> well, no, that's not true. They've got the. the... Yeah.
0: What's not her the
1: face? What's her face made a cameo? She went out like on a date with Johnny. Mm. And then and then the um, girl from Okinawa
0: is Steve. Okay, but see, I just told you I was only in season two, so I have
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I mean she's I don't tell you why she's there.
3: (laughs) Good save, Karen. Good save.
1: Well, this is all on topic. We're keeping this, Kevin. Keep it in. (laughs) Um, But we do have a last question. This is my favorite question to ask guests. It's a very important question. Um, It is a question that, you know, basically your entire reputations are hinging on getting this answer correct. So that should make you feel good. Um, You don't get to choose COVID. (laughs) But what is
3: your favorite vaccine? Oh my gosh. Hands down tetanus shot. I am terrified of tetanus. And Charlotte didn't even get a fever when she got her tetanus shot. I mean, like she had more energy than ever. She was fine. And I just was so scared of tetanus for years. And now I'm like, okay, this is easy. I love the tetanus shot. It
2: changes, but I really appreciate the rotavirus vaccine and what it's done in third world countries by you know preventing childhood death from diarrhea like it's just amazing there used to be entire wards devoted to yeah and um nathan can tell you all about
1: those (laughs) wards. yeah
2: so yeah no i i mean it's done a lot in north america as well but in the countries that really needed it like rotavirus really did save a lot of lives huh. so that's, that's a good, good. answer <laughs> i think paul oh, off it, you know he's kind of behind that one isn't
3: he that's right he
1: is a little bit behind that one he had something yeah. to do with it i mean <laughs> it was his it was his 26 year plan to become mm-hmm. a pharma shill <laughs> uh,
0: <yeah.
1: laughs> <You know. laughs>
0: it's the long con that's right oh, the lost crazy. fans would say
1: that's right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so great to talk to you. I mean, honestly, like I'll take any opportunity to talk to you, but thank you for doing this in public with, with our, our friends at home who are listening.
3: This was so much fun. Karen, we are obsessed with you. We love
2: you. So yeah, we do. Every time, we some, every time something's like offered or like, you know, people want to interview us. I'm like, let's talk to Karen. You have to talk to Karen. <laughs> you're you're a our vaccine mom.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I am I'm I'm the I'm the I, we're you're like my work daughters
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Nathan is, uh, I have a quick question for you so oh, no. you're, oh, wait is this uh, part of our podcast
0: can be can well be. it depends on what the question is I suppose
2: if, yeah I, you're, you're into D&D right
0: is that true That's I true. play D&D this I'm is relatively part of our new podcast, to it yeah. I'm only That's... a couple of years in on D&D but, I, I, but I'm,
2: I'm, I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not super like yeah you know deep into it, but i play once mm-hmm. every week or so yeah what is your character Would
0: okay you so about? it's complicated i started out as a dragonborn paladin <laughs>
2: okay yeah
0: uh his name is drag because he just goes by drag because he cool. cannot um reveal his name he, he it's just <laughs> like a code name he doesn't mm-hmm. want people knows there's a whole history about uh, you know a murder and all this stuff uh but before the <laughs> last campaign basically after the events of the previous campaign he in which he is, is he underwent some magical stuff and now he went to bard school. He has he's a bard. He wrote a a Bardy award winning play called Alexander Fandolin, a Run musical. Nice. And now he's now he's a now he's a bard. He 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 gets otherworldly songs into his head, so he just mm-hmm. drops like 80s and 90s Ooh. tunes in the middle of battles. That's what I get. That's what he's all about now.
3: Don't pay any attention
2: to them. I, I am. I am impressed.
3: <laughs> hey, we're rude. How about you? How about
2: you? I I play a dwarf paladin, and um, nice. I'm probably gonna kill her off because she is. <laughs> even me. No, no, my no. dwarf paladin. <laughs> <name> is, <laughs> her name is
0: I play a dwarf paladin and I'm probably going to kill Heather.
2: <laughs> no, 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 my my, my Just
0: mentioning off. that. Sorry.
3: Just Heather. Just
2: mentioning that. It's yeah. And um it her alignment is lawful good. And I, I realize that I have some really hard time aligning my thoughts with a lawful good character. So I That's why you're pro-vaccine now. I need to create a chaotic good character yeah and that and I can just role play a little better but that's what I've realized I am I'm very bad at playing a lawful good character my husband's always like your character wouldn't do that <laughs> your character wouldn't do that she's lawful good. so I'm, like, <laughs> ah. so, so I'm, I'm nice. chaotic in my
0: choices how about you two who do you play
1: Oh my gosh. This conversation <laughs> felt like what listening to my n- newly 14 year old talk to me. Like, you know, you kind of black out a little bit. Yes. Like,
3: oh. oh. Has have you ever sat through someone explaining the rules of a card game to you? I black out. So I can't. That's what that felt like.
2: So my husband's <laughs> super into board games and will go through the rules himself. Oh. And, like, actually set out the board game by himself and then play it as, like... Oh, my gosh, cool that's cute. ...to get it really well. And then he gets really upset when he explains it and you don't oh, that's, that's really cute. <laughs> he's like, are, are you listening? Are you listening?
1: <laughs> that also sounds like my child. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a really important part of our podcast that yes. we are keeping. If you listened <laughs> this that's far... thank you and uh thanks for coming thanks for having us
2: thank you see ya
1: thank you to all of you for joining us it was so great to have you here you know today as we're thinking about um what we can do to sort of help everyone out and and make a welcome space for people to change their minds i want to challenge each one of you to Open a conversation where you are a kind and thoughtful listener to somebody, where we really can make that welcome space for people to think about their decisions and uh, maybe reconsider vaccination. That's my challenge to you.
0: I think that's super important. I I really do think that anybody who shows uh, a good faith effort to want to learn more or to change their mind, uh, I think the more we can do to make that an option for people available for people where they feel like they can come into a community even if they've made mistakes i think that's huge in terms of changing the tide
1: absolutely so with that my name is karen ernst um, i am the executive director of voices for vaccines you can find us at voicesforvaccines.org
0: and my name is nathan boonstra i'm a dragonborn paladin who changed to a Dragonborn. <laughs> Uh, Bard earlier this year Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Pete's MD.
1: Oh goodness, and that's it we're done
2: (laughs) To learn more, visit faxtalk.org